for September 18th, 2023. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 794. De Bello Gallico. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're almost 15 years old. This weekly podcast, from the point it's gone weekly, is almost 15 years old. You might call us a kind of ancient civilization. You know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, the, but, but one of the, one of the triumvirate is not here, uh, which means <laughs> that it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, uh, Pete, Pete Fenzel and myself, Matt Rather, uh, Pete, Sol, Solway, Petrus. Yeah. Uh, Ave Atque Wale, Matt. <laughs> Wait, uh, Atque Wale? Okay. It probably <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> We're not declining and falling yet. <laughs> oh, Pete. What is I, this, Ravenna? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's one of our story two-handers, but I think for the purposes of this podcast, I want to call it one of our epic two-handers. Yes. Because I have Although, a question. What, what, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. No, no, no. I have a question, Pete. Does your okay. life have a purpose? No. What, 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 were you about, what were you about to say? I was going to say it's a two-hander, but one of the hands is morally better than the other hand, <laughs> which is known as the sinister hand and is evil and should not be trusted. <laughs> and we've, in fact, trained ourselves over years to use only the hand that is just and right. Absolutely. Our dexterous hand. Our yes, dexterous exactly. hand, yes. The, the dextra, um, what, manus, uh, manus dextrus, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's why I put my protein shakes. <laughs> Pete, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So my, my answer is probably, I could say constantly, but it's briefly interrupted. Oh, Pete, uh, yeah. I'm thinking about the Roman Empire right <laughs> now. I mean, it's a euphemism for, uh, never mind. I'll give you a couple examples of recent ones. So we were recently watching Star Trek Brave New Worlds. Okay. Right, Strange New Worlds. Not Brave New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. And there's a whole plot about the Illyrians in Star Trek uh, Brave no, – Strange New Worlds who are an alien race in Star Trek who, of course, share a name with a particular peoples in modern-day Dalmatia – Right. Who were referred to as such in the era of the Roman Empire. Right. So it's like, oh, that's like the Roman Empire. Right. Oh, OK. Um, and, then, and then another one would be like what uh, I was thinking about uh, when I was giving grapes to my kids and chopping them up the other day. I was thinking about the cisterns or the sort of big vats uh, that I walked around when I went to the Museum of the History of Barcelona. And we went through a Roman winemaking apparatus. This was back in like 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was walking around there and is thinking about like the the grapes and how they must have was that like your was that your your honeymoon? Yes, yes, Wait, yes. Pete, did oh, you yeah. and I did you and I have the same honeymoon? <laughs> did you also like pick a city because it had a Roman amphitheater in it that you got to go see? Well, uh, I sort of, no, we <laughs> yeah. picked it for the wine, but it had a yeah, Roman amphitheater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I have never been so ahead of a TikTok trend in such a <laughs> strange way. Wait, uh, so so you went to Paris and then Barcelona. That was your honeymoon as well. We went to Nîmes in the middle and Compagnac. Uh, yeah, we did uh we did Paris Avignon and then Barcelona. Yep. 
So Nîmes has a great has a great uh, Roman Empire, uh, Roman Empire, Roman, Roman Amphitheater. That's and Arl, like Arl has another one, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the, there's all this stuff. Yeah, the, the yeah. walled city of of Avignon with the the bridge to nowhere, which I, mm-hmm. I think reminds me of a Simpsons joke, but I can't I can't quite remember which uh, which one. But we chose it for par- for purposes of drinking, and the uh, the Roman things were were just ancillary, ancillary from the Latin anquila. Right, <laughs> which is a, a female servant, but the yep. uh, the yeah, man, the not I, to be confused with the Aquiline Hill, of course. No, yes. that's that's the hill that uh, that looks like somebody's nose. Right? <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes, that's fair. Yes, um, yeah, the Roman nose, sure. But I yeah, Pete, I so you you rather rather a lot. I I think. Uh, just because of the guy I am, I think of the literary accomplishments of the Roman Empire more than I think of the uh, infrastructural or, you know, um, civilization uh, mm-hmm. accomplishments that, or military accomplishments of the of the Roman Empire. But I think the current TikTok trend. Well, I don't know. I have like my headcanon of of this TikTok trend, this like TikTok meme of like women asking their their male significant straight male significant others how often do you think of the Roman Empire like as as belonging to a certain kind of you know a certain kind of like online bro culture you know that mm-hmm. like uh that I feel like I don't I don't participate in like I they don't they don't want me at those parties you know but I uh I, I'm I'm not that good at flip cup but the, <laughs> the the uh but I don't know what what do you think is like is behind the trend or no sorry let's let's stick a pin in that because we're still talking about the we're still talking about the the Roman Empire. So you, so you recall your honeymoon, and that makes you think of the Roman Empire. Yeah, Got it? yeah. Um, I mean, I guess. Well, th- this was like just this week thinking about it. I also when, have, when you when you conquer your neighbor and salt the earth of their fields, does that make you think about the Roman Empire? Uh, why would it, Matt? That would be the Republic. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm surprised that in the bridge to nowhere, you didn't think about Horatio. Right? Uh, um, I know whenever I whenever I stick my hand into the oven to pull out the pizza, I think of no um, <laughs> all of the different stories. No, um, I think I have a my backup audiobook these days is a uh, history of Germany um, that is sort of a very brief history of Germany. Then the first chapter is about Julius Caesar inventing the concept of Germany. Uh-huh. So I, so that, you know, so when I didn't read that book, but read the other book then or listen to the other book that I'm currently listening to, I thought, oh, yeah, that's the one that talks about Julius Caesar. Oh, thinking about the Roman Empire then. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because I get the sense that we're not the target audience. When my wife was asked how often I think about the Roman Empire, I believe her answer was that I don't remember the things that she asks me to do, but I can pontificate about Napoleon on a moment's notice, right? Like, and I do constantly. And just like, which of course, he's not Roman, but it's basically like, uh, uh, it was interesting that her, her, her focus on that point was Napoleon, because I had been listening at one point to a podcast about Napoleon and when we went on a road trip and I talked to her about it like for hours. So that really stuck in her mind, even though I think about the Roman Empire more than I think about Napoleon. Uh, that really got front and center. In, you know in what? If, like if you look, if you uh, it's like I told the couple counselor, uh, like if you want my attention, conquer half of Europe. OK, <laughs> then- 
You know, people say that people have been saying this and I don't get that because maybe that's when you say the literary accomplishments. We did also not mention any of the literary accomplishments, which is unfortunate because some of them are quite golden. Uh, People have been talking about Nicki Minaj to a certain extent with regards to, you know, Roman, because I think that's a a work of hers. But uh, but there is, of course, other golden posteriors that are out there uh, that are of a Roman nature. That was a Roman book, right? Um, what the golden, uh, the golden Nick, ass, Nikki? Or, uh, yeah, by by Apuleius, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, yeah. I mean, like, dude, like, like the most roundabout inappropriate joke I've ever made. <laughs> that's well, if it's roundabout, it's appropriate for for this context. <laughs> that's I mean, like, true. <laughs> epic poetry. I'm going to metamorphize poetry. into an anaconda. <laughs> no, man, like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. Like my, my, my anaconda don't want none unless it's got, you know, long and short syllables, son. I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the, the, like, uh, uh, all kinds of anal, sorry, annals. I was thinking about, uh, uh boo. <laughs> so, um, so like, um, yeah. And then, and then like, uh, the the speeches that survive the kind of like the political rhetoric that survives the history like the the romans were as intensely self-regarding a civilization as new yorkers are today <laughs> which and, makes sense that a lot of them come from the same place <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> hey i'm walking here across gaul into bell guy hey, germany i'm hey. inventing an aqueduct here hey forget about it because the libraries were all burnt out by the gods hey forget about it uh, Hey, the the city of Pompeii has disappeared under the the fiery ash of Vesuvius. Forget about it. Forget until, about it. until it's excavated. <laughs> but that's uh yeah, I mean like uh the a huge it's and I mean we're lucky that we know about it, right? Like we're we're lucky that um and the the textual histories of these things are are fascinating a lot of them and and a lot of them burned up, you know in in different places and in different times in history but it's it's cool that we have as much as uh it's cool that we have as much as we have um yeah that uh and and so i don't know i I think about that because i um because i'm a a literary guy and you know i I think a lot about etymologies like when i'm i'm Mm. just just talking i'm you know distracted by it and you know, might pause in the middle of a sentence and stare off into space, just sort of contemplating the the derivation of of a word I've just used for you know forty five seconds. Which let me tell you, my wife loves. Uh, she's she's my favorite. It's her favorite quality about about me. The way I'll just lapse into silence unaccountably in the middle of in the middle of talking. Um, but the uh, you know, so I I that's that's how I I think of it as as like a cultural phenomenon rather than. As kind of a uh, rather than as as sort of a civilization, but you're you're much more sort of educate up on the history, right? That than than I am, and so like I don't know. I mean, I guess you I guess you just can't look at an arch, right? Without yeah. uh, you know, without imagining. I mean, great- you say that because I play Polybridge two still. Polybridge three has come out, but I don't think it's available for iPhone, or at least I haven't gotten it yet. Have you ever played Polybridge, Matt? No, but uh, if it's a if it's a casual game that I can play in the iPhone, it's it's up my alley. 
Oh, it's great. I love Polybridge. It's a game, and it's, of course, it's sequels. Polybridge 2 is significantly better than Polybridge 1. There is no need to go back to Polybridge 1. You will understand Polybridge 2 just fine if you skip Polybridge okay. 1. Okay, the, like there aren't like developments or char- no. character introductions no. or anything? That- it's not like, oh man, I don't understand why this this you know strange love triangle is happening. No, no, no. The only triangle that's happening is in the trust that's supporting your bridge. Uh, so yeah, it's an engineering game where you build bridges over spans and cars drive across them and uh and uh, i actually um was playing it and and actually played the basic basic level with my son which probably the first video game he's played was probably polybridge 2 as i like showed him how to build like the 10 meter bridge across the first span um and of course this is a game where arches are really important because you're using you know wood and metal and you're kind of building and engineering these bridges and you have to figure out how to support the weight of the structure that you're building and also the weight of the things that are going across it and you have to build drawbridges and stuff so like oh there's a boat coming you have to build a drawbridge that will lift up so the boat will come by and and so on and so forth and there's many many little puzzle levels of this sort where you build different bridges and i think about the roman empire all the time while i'm playing it because i always default to building arches and i know that that's not always what you have to do but you do it a lot of the time and i can you know you also have a budget for each level and i often go over budget by building a giant arch over everything <laughs> and then trying to like suspend things from it uh, and then i have to like oh no i have to build it this way etc cetera, etc cetera. so i do think about the roman empire when when playing video games based on bridge building which all, which does go back to my wife's suggestion that perhaps this tiktok trend isn't really about me uh it's in fact about guys who uh don't have as like a major hobby the consideration of these sorts of things but i, I would also say like i don't want to discount the the literary culture here because um, it really is so important and underappreciated that there are so many records, right? Like that's just such a big deal mm. in turn. I mean, cause one thing I did also think about this week was the uh, Siberian fortress of uh, board by Jin, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, which is a uh, fortress from the Uyghur Khaganate uh, from like the eighth or ninth century. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's on a lake, and it was first explored 120 years ago. And uh, but people haven't really been researching it. Of course, you know, not a lot of research in Central Asia was happening for much of the 20th century for a variety of reasons. Uh, and so now people are researching it more and nobody really knows how, why it was there or what it was doing or like how they built it or any of this stuff. Um, it's very mysterious. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, because we don't have like a ton of written records from this cognate. If, if it were the Romans who were obsessively, you know, writing down everything that they did and copying it over and over again, and then, of course, had these kind of successor organizations that were also copying over and over again everything they did and keeping it in media that would survive to the present day. I mean, there's so many human civilizations that we know nothing about that we just so casually just sort of assume didn't exist or like but we can't assume they exist if we never heard of them. Uh, but but this idea that, that we know what populated human history is just like fundamentally false. I guess history we know is populated, but human existence, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of years. We have no idea what anybody was doing. And of course there's archaeology, but the level of precision that you get out of archaeology is like such a different level than what you get out of classics, you know, out of like the literature of the ancient civilizations that passed us a ton of literature. Um, and the literature is so important, even for the politics, the literature, because it's a politics of literature too. I mean, the military history, so much of it is de Bellico. I was talking to... I, was, I think it's, it's Tagalabelka, I'm probably saying it wrong. 
Um, do you got, do I feel like you're making just making up words now, Pete. I feel like we've got gone at the thing you're no, gaslighting. No, you're no. gaslighting me. These aren't even real things. No, no Debello Calico, Debello Calico, not Degalabellico. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, no. Well, I mean, I, obviously, I do, but you probably should explain <laughs> it for other for the the listeners. Of the so, podcast. like, I did also. I also studied Latin for like ten years uh, in middle school, high school, and a little bit of college. Yes. So not, yeah, yeah. So again, not to get to a very high level of it just for a long time, right? Because like three years of middle school Latin on an undergraduate level is not a lot of Latin. Uh, but there's a lot, there was a lot of culture that was involved in it. And I think, and this leads into a couple of thoughts I have about this whole, like, why do people think of the Roman empire question, which is the one that is always the follow-up question. Why? You know, when, how often do you think of the Roman empire? You know, once every couple of weeks, Why? Right. Is the question that follows because it's not relevant to your life. But and I think we'll get into that. But I do want to comment on how like uh, Debello Gallico is a account by Julius Caesar of oh, the Gallic okay. Wars. Yes. Right. Got it. And it's Sorry. like the first thing. I mean, you study Latin. I did. Yes. The, omnes yeah. omnes Gallia in tres partes divisa est. Yeah, you right. You memorized the beginning of this. Sorry. Thing. You, you, know could, you should have said the Gallic War. I only yeah. <laughs> I only know this. <laughs> Debella Gallico sounds like it's a uh, it's like an Olive Garden knockoff, like an oh, yeah. even an even cheaper. <laughs> yeah, free, free breadsticks, but they're lances, and we run you yeah. through Bell and Gallicum, whatever. But yeah, the point is that our knowledge of Caesar's campaigns in Gaul is based off of Caesar's own account, which has been preserved word for word that he wrote himself. So of course, you know, there's a literary element to any uh, uh, logistical or material facts. That we think we know. And, and you know, in this sort of situ situation, it, this is one of the things that might lead you toward a more postmodern interpretation of history. If you kind of appreciate that a lot of what we know about people like Julius Caesar was written by people like Julius Caesar right, or by their close friends. Um, and also just how much of the Roman Empire that we think we know is really for like a very short, like a couple of very short periods of time in a period of time that extends, you know, over 2000 years if you include all the way up to, to Byzantium. And we have more information than that, of course, but people who think they know what the Roman Empire is about uh, generally only really know, like, well, you know, there was a republic, and then Caesar kind of took over the republic, and then there became an empire with, with his Augustus, if you know that much, and the triumvirates, you know? Sure. Um, and then that it fell at some point because there were invaders from other places, and you just skip 400 years, right? And you skip the smallpox epidemic, and you skip, you know, the, the century-long collapse of the government, and you sh skip the, like, total transformation of the nature of socioeconomic organization in the whole whole place. Um, because, you you know, you're focused more on the story. And, uh, and the Romans were big on focusing on the story, too. You know, there's that whole... Um, the whole Caesar and Augustus thing, which I didn't even really fully internalize until much more recently, which is so weird when you think about it, um, which is the idea of the tetrarchy, like the four people, when they realized that one person from Rome couldn't rule the whole thing anymore. Ah. And they reorganized it right into two people who are the emperors in the east and the west. And then they had sort of two people who are beneath them who were uh, also sovereign of a sense but who were junior um, and they were referred to as the Caesar and the Augustus. And this concept was the Augustus was the successor to the Caesar and might very well be his adopted son. 
right? And this was happening, you know, hundreds of years after Caesar and Augustus, sure. right? Um, and that this was sort of a mode for how the government was organized. And you had a Caesar and you had an Augustus. And then, you know, this this person would, would jockey for this job on this side. And then these two people would be in feuds with each other about that. But just this idea that, like, the 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 top jobs in the government were named after the familial relationships between specific people who lived hundreds of years ago. Sure. It's like the the Rome Rome was Rome to the Romans, similarly to how it's Rome to us in certain ways that they sort of were looking back and mythologizing themselves while they were living themselves, uh, which, of course, you know, even they would do purposefully with stuff like, the, like it's, it the, reminds uh, me of New Yorkers, honestly, like, yeah. <laughs> like Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> like New York is the center of the uh, eruption of all spiritual energy at the end of the world. And like how many different movies <laughs> Like New York is like the center of all sorts of stuff. Well, I, I mean, sure. Um, I mean, I guess, well, I, I, New Yorkers certainly think, uh, New Yorkers certainly think that it is. And like, yeah. I, sorry, I was in New York this week, so I have it on the brain, but like how intensely self-regarding that like media echo chamber is, you know, the, the way that there are like ads on the subways that are just so, so local, right? Things that don't make sense if you're not, you know, if you're not from there and how there, there seems to be more than, more than other places I've been or visited, you know, like uh, this kind of like it intensely, uh, intensely policed, you know, kind of identity about what, what is and what isn't, you know, what is, what does and what doesn't belong in the, uh, in the, the realm of being called New York, right? Like that, that the, the, the Romans were like that as well, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, uh, it, I don't know. It's it is. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thing to see. I mean, even like, sorry, just to be like etym- etymology guy for a second. You know, sure, Caesar, Caesar, and Augustus are are like this. You you end up in this kind of like what historical reenactment. You end up in this kind of cosplay. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for for years and years, years and years after that. But just the idea that like, you know, the word Caesar then goes into other like non romance languages yeah. <laughs> you know uh meaning like ruler or leader um the the two that come to mind are kaiser in german and tsar in uh in russian like that 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 like that that thing is so influential that that relationship is so influential that that people still want to tell the story they still want to kind of wheeze some of that juice when you're uh, uh when you're um you know cent- centuries millennia later is is astonishing to me it's it's pretty good uh, you know pete i should think about the roman empire more <laughs> i was just thinking about the pomerium because i was thinking about uh uh, like the sort of the area that is, is definitely New York versus the area that is not New York. Uh, um, and I was thinking about the the sort of boundary around Rome where you're not allowed to carry weapons through it. Right. And how that like norm lasted for hundreds of years before people, you know, they started carrying weapons through it and caused all sorts of problems. So it's certain, <laughs> but, like um, it's well, yeah. And I mean, as as a person from the state of New Jersey, like yeah. you must be very aware of the the boundary around New York. The, oh, yeah. The, the yeah, psychic yeah. boundary. Uh, I lived on the left bank of the Tiber, right? Right, exactly. Among the dead. <laughs> what, what what Amitav right Ghosh, point. the novelist, called the shadow lines. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Uh, that those those yeah, shadow lines organize uh psychic and and material space um yeah man like uh this it's they are they're they're nuts well why but but okay maybe it's time for this why now pete like why why now like why would this become a tiktok meme now and why does it take off that like this is something that like girlfriends are asking their boyfriends wives are asking their husbands 
I thought this was interesting. It's an interesting question. Very interesting question. Um, and I think there's a couple of dimensions to it. One is there isn't actually anything super popular about Rome in pop culture right now, which has not really been the case for a while. Right. Uh, if you go back, you know, there's um, obviously there's the HBO series Rome. There's the movie Gladiator. There's various sorts of TV and movies involving Rome. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a new civilization game in a while. Mm. Um, I, I tried to. I, my, so my wife explained to me, my, my wife explained to me, like, look, I know why you think of the Rome. <laughs> I love the, that. I love that. So the question funny. isn't whether you think of the Roman Empire. The question is, do you really think all these other guys are thinking about the Roman Empire? And I think there's a contention that it's that they're lying. There's this. There's this belief that they're not really thinking of the Roman Empire, the guys who say they are, and they're saying it to, to think that they look smart. I didn't believe that for a second. Like I don't, but of course I'm not. I'm not typical. I'm a weirdo. But like I don't believe that people would lie. But I do and love I, that. I do love that. Uh, yeah. Listen, Pete, uh, my darling husband, Pete. Like, don't don't go online and comment on this uh, on this trend <laughs> because. You'll throw off. You're an outlier in yes. the data, yes. right? Like you yes. don't belong to this. Uh, to this Nobody demographic. Nobody here watches Historia Civilis on YouTube. He's great. He does like primary source reviews of like oh, he's been doing the Anthony and uh, Octavia thing for like Octavia thing for like a year and a half. No, sorry, yes, I'm not typical. I'm not representative. I throw off the data, uh, but I try to I try to outline to uh, my wife what I thought the sort of pillars of what dudes might be encountering that might be prompting them to think of the Roman empire might be and how they might be relevant to now. One of them is, and what I trace this back to is, uh, is old Hollywood studio culture, right? There's certain periods that get a lot of movies made about them because you only have to build the sets and buy the costumes once <laughs> and then you just do it over and over again, right? And so there's these time periods that exist in this noumenal space in American culture because they had a lot, right? They had like a they had like you could go to the old west town on the Warner lot or whatever sure. and like shoot the old west movie. And one of them is, you know, uh, what would be called swords and sandals, right? Right? Um and another one would be like Robin Hood, you know, another one would be, you know, the Old West. All of these things are referring to like longish or not or like time periods that had complications to them that entirely disappear because the only really salient detail is that it is being done, you know, in this specific sort of imitation of this place. And then and then, of course, other people get influenced by the movies and the prevalence of the movies to make their own movies that are sort of being influenced by those movies. So, like, you know, you have something like Spartacus which is a fulfillment, you know, the, the old Kirk Douglas movie is kind of a fulfillment of a cinematic tradition. Uh, and then, of course, like Gladiator is kind of about Spartacus, uh, you know, the movie going back, um, you know, Ben-Hur and all that stuff. Um, and so, like, yeah, so there hasn't been something like that recently. So, it, so it, see, it's not that that means that men think of it more often. It means that it's stranger for them to be thinking about it. Um, it, would be, it would be a bad time to ask, how often does your boyfriend think of the Vikings? Uh -huh. Because there's like a bunch of Vikings stuff, right? Isn't there like a Vikings TV show that people were watching? Um, I feel like there that there was a God of War Ragnarok with Norse gods and stuff. Uh, I feel like there, there was more Viking stuff more recently than there was really popular uh, Roman stuff. And so it's more like how less and less likely this is to be, how less and less of a sort of shared 
uh, pop culture reference there is to be like, oh, this is why we're thinking of it now. So that's like pillar one, right? It's like pop culture. Now, the other thing is there are a bunch of video games that not just are directly influenced by the Roman Empire, but also indirectly influenced by it in a lot of ways. So like, I don't think you can play Elden Ring, for example, without being reminded superficially of the Roman Empire in a bunch of ways. Uh, and I'm not just talking about, you know, crumbling Fermazula, uh, which is like a neoclassical, you know, Italian Renaissance city in the sky on top of a tornado. Right. Um, <laughs> so like, which has like, you fight a dragon in a giant, like gladiatorial notional pit, but it's really like, it's not really gladiatorial because, but it's got columns, right. It's neoclassical. It's um, very clash of the Titans. Uh, the whole thing is very clash of the Titans, which of course is Greek. But that's the other thing about the Roman empire is like, you're subsuming everything Greek into it because it's all on the same lot. It's all sort of part of the same, <laughs> the same aesthetic in the movies. Even though, of course, historically and literarily, there's differences, important differences. Um, but yeah, so that's one pillar. And, and another pillar is um, the political angle, which is that Rome is the primary and kind of archetypical example of a you know, somewhat representative democracy that becomes a dictatorship. And that that's something that people are like always worrying about. It's, it's two things, right? It's both a representative democracy that becomes a dictatorship and a large multinational empire that collapses under the pressure of, of integrating immigrants, right? And also a kind of financial strain uh, associated with those things. Now, these are also like Rome becomes what you want it to become when you are talking about Rome. There was, it, it was around for so long. They did everything, you know, like, like it's, it's a huge range of place, a huge number of people over a very long period of time. Granted, like they didn't, you know, you can even say they had steam engines and whatnot if you want to. If you want to go down that rabbit hole in particular, it's not particularly representative of the experience. But the point is, like, if what you're thinking about is like uh, globalization, right, and kind of like in, in nationalist organizations that kind of collapse under pressures of globalization, like Roman Empire, man, you know, like if what you're thinking about is corruption and, you know, representative republics and corruption, like Roman Empire, man, right, if what you're thinking about is uh, – you know, a, a kind of drop off in uh, kind of, I mean, Gibbon, right, with decline and fall of the Roman Empire, so much of it is just internalized. It's like, well, what, why did the Roman Empire fall? Well, what do I think is bad? Uh, it, it, it made yep. me think of, uh, there was a time when, I don't know if you were there, but a bunch of the overthinkers were there. We were on a Metro North train going to uh, New Haven from New York. And uh, one of us was single, and I forget who it was at the time. And all the rest of us were giving them advice on what to do about a particular sort of dating situation. Okay. And, and, uh, and my, our dear friend, John, who I saw recently, uh, and who's not an overthinker, but whom, you know, well, um, he turned to me and he who hasn't, might've been, who hasn't been single for like any significant period of his adult life. Right? No, not at all. And I believe it was either him or Jordan who turned to me and said, we're all just telling them him to be like us. Uh-huh. Like we, we were all just giving the person advice that like they should make their life the way our life is. Uh, and, and it was kind of a big moment cause I didn't realize that was what we were doing, but it was totally what we were doing. Now, of course you could say, well, my life is the way it is because I chose to make it that way. So it makes sense. I would recommend a course of action that would make my life that way. Um, though I don't think that's strictly how it works. Uh, but in that sense, I think there is a, an idea that, um, the Roman empire fell for whatever thing you think is going to cause a country to fall. Um, but it's the archetypical story of it. So if you're concerned about like crisis in America, a large republic, 
right, uh, that has like a sort of problem with a central head of state who has like a sort of dangerous amount of authority at any given time, uh, then like you might think about Rome a lot because it might come up in conversation. Also, alarmist political people might be talking about like the fall of Rome, you know, like all the time with regards to America. I mean, America was founded or the United States of America was founded during a time of neoclassical, you know, revival. Right. So like there's a lot of stuff about, you know, reinterpretations of uh, of, of the Roman Empire, like in our kind of uh, of early early texts and kind of our various credos and whatnot. So so that's another angle is there's a political angle where you might be concerned with like various things that might be more greater or lesser legitimate concerns. I mean, you could even talk about gender stuff if you want. You can't really talk about patriarchy without in some way invoking uh, a Roman patriarch of some kind just because of the word you're using. But uh, and of course, that whole tradition is uh, people don't even know how bad it got. But um, but yeah, so there's there's the political angle. There's the entertainment angle. And then there's the the and I guess the entertainment angle, it would include. Well, the video game angle is like, do you play as the Roman Empire in a game that you play right? like regularly? Uh, are you playing a strategy game where like the Romans are a faction that you can play, uh, which is, I guess, a different thing than just the video game thing? Um, but, but then it's like, these are all things with which there might be a certain distance, you know, political discourse right now is very gendered, uh, uh, video games can be very gendered, uh, you know, like the, the TV and movie part would be the one that's least gendered, but that's the one that's least pronounced right now. Um, and then of course, you know, engineering or, you know, architecture, that's the one everybody says. And I think that affects certain people, like maybe people who are in engineering or construction or like work with concrete and things like that. Uh, and they might think of the Roman Empire a bunch, but um, that's a kind of more of a niche area. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's why I think now is one of the reasons for this to be relevant as that what the question is. But the bigger concern, I think, for me is I don't know what my partner is thinking about mm. that. that This is all window dressing, right? Like the, the whole discussion of like, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? I think of the Roman Empire, you know, once a week. That's crazy. Right. And there's a defensiveness to it. Um, stepping back from that, what's happening in this TikTok trend is, I think, also the idea that your your partner's mind is somewhat unknown to you to a greater degree than you thought. Um, and of course, they're stupid is part of it. because it's <laughs> <laughs> um, They're stupid. They're useless. These are the things that are annoying about them. But also it's like you because I think the question originated, at least in this current batch from a a, a, uh, a reenactor. Right. Who's like, there's sort of like, well, why, how could you possibly make a living? And it's like, people think about the Roman Empire a lot more than you think they do. Uh, you should ask your boyfriend or your husband or whatever uh, and see how often they think of it. And that's where it starts from. It's just this idea that um, uh, that there is this sort of inner life that people have that you don't know. About. That's a, Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's sort of an interesting angle on it. But it's it's specific to that, right? Like, I, you know, I don't know. How often do you think about, like, the law, you know, Newton's second law or something like that would be another question that you could ask in that direction. But that is not the one that, like, that captures people's imaginations and, like, becomes uh, becomes popular. There's a great there's a great talk about Newton's second law that I just posted the Overthinking It Back channel. I'll post it to the Discord. <laughs> it's with Stephen Wolfram. He's talking about entropy and AI systems. He has some really interesting thoughts about large language models and the concept of the observer versus the hypermap universe. So, uh, yes. And, and he has a book called the second law, I believe. Uh, although I was thinking of the first law because it appears in a song by blaze in blaze, the monster machines that I was listening to with my son today, which is the song inertia off the first album. 
which goes, uh, the chorus is, uh, heavy things are hard to stop, inertia when they're moving. But uh, one of the lines is, uh, Isaac Newton had a notion, it's his first law of motion, inertia. So yeah, so my, my wife would tell me, you are not the typical person, you're not the person to ask. <laughs> when was the last time you thought about Isaac Newton's laws of motion? At dinner when I was playing a song about Isaac Newton's laws of motion for our child. <laughs> we were singing it together. I, yeah, I was really thinking more of the, the singing of the third law of motion. Um, mm-hmm. because, uh, my trainer makes me stop the weight at the beginning and end of every rep instead of just kind of <laughs> bouncing, you know? So I was thinking, thinking, thinking a lot about that, that equal and opposite, opposite reaction. When I, oh, sorry, I, I conflated the laws of motion laws of thermodynamics. You should take away my overthinking card. I am so sorry. Yeah. The, no, the, 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 I only know the second law of thermodynamics, that's, yeah. that's, but, um, uh, the law of motion, I was thinking that the first law of motion, um, Object in motion tends to stay in motion. Object at rest tends to stay at rest. Uh, yep. I, I, whenever I think about that one, I think of my high school physics teacher who used to, to berate us. He used to, you know, just, just yell sort of quasi, quasi comically at the class. You're all still so Aristotelian and you don't even know it. <laughs> I'll bet you believe that force overcomes inertia. Four <laughs> months of AP physics, and you still believe force <laughs> overcomes inertia. You do have all... a song called Momentum on the second album, and they get better into it. <laughs> You're all so Aristotelian, and you don't you don't even know it. Well, those I mean, I think there is um, there is there's something very very interesting there in the idea of like wow, we kind of like we operate a little bit in uh we operate in these in these bubbles of of private thoughts and another person's interiority is like sort of like a book that's that's closed to you. There's a very famous pa- passage of Dickens that's kind of a meditation on this idea from um uh, Tale of Two Cities. And, uh, yeah, that, that where, where someone is coming into a city by night and like thinking in the windows that kind of each of those windows in the city contains like a full life, a full interiority. Uh, cause there's a person who lives behind that window and that, you know, it's completely, uh, it's completely, um, closed off to you. And then the reflection kind of continues to, to be about like, uh, well, how like even in when you're very close to someone that, that interiority can be, can be closed off. To you and some of its deepest imaginings, you know, is there any is there any stranger? I think I, I'm quoting imprecisely now. I should just read the damn thing. But like, is there any stranger? Um, uh, you know, more strange than the you know the person living under the roof with you? Could they? You know, they're in some ways just as strange as the people behind behind these windows are. And then it becomes a meditation. Uh, meditation about death, but I don't want to use that. That's not, I'm not playing my reading a piece of literature on the podcast card, Pete, with that one. That doesn't even count. I paraphrased it and I did that badly. Okay. Obviously, <laughs> obviously the piece of literature that I'm going to read, uh, on the podcast is WH Auden's The Fall of Rome. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned for that, uh, after the break. Hey guys, do you need some sandals and swords? The, <laughs> Um, but so like there, there, there is that, uh, there, that angle, but that like, so I, I think that I think of it in a, in a particular way. Like I like that it's the Roman nature. I like the kind of the genderedness of the question. Like when I say I like it, I mean, I find it, I find it really, um, really interesting to think, to, to think about. I, I've come to, to start understanding a lot of social phenomena that I see 
Pete, uh, through the lens of, you know, the average young adult being worse off than their parents, uh, okay. for one of the, you know, for, uh, at a, one of the first times kind of in a macro level in, in American or in since, the United States. Yeah. yeah. In the United States. That's since, about, like, since, the, yep. since the second world war or something yep. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in the, the 200 year history that no, nah, there was some bad, there were some bad stretches in there. There was a whole depression. Um, so like, let's say since the, since the second world war and I, I think that I think that when 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 faced with a loss, right? Like one of the psychological defense mechanisms that gets activated when you deal with a loss is, you know, you you create a sort of like magical fantasy world where where you know the the circle is squared and and all is right with the world and the and everything you know everything is is good if you know you know if you know a lot of people like me whose parents are divorced right like that sort of prelapsarian time becomes very uh, very kind of potent in your imagination, probably because it is for your parents as well. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I've gathered from talking to people who have lost a parent that it's, it's similar for, for them, um, as well that like, uh, you know, sort of faced with, with loss that there is this, um, uh, that there's this kind of like fantasy compensation, uh, that can happen. And, and I think a lot of like, you know, I think a lot of, for a lot of men, it's a very, it's kind of bioavailable fantasy that like you're, uh, you know, that you're sort of, that you're gonna like, what if, if you weren't, um, uh, that, that you should somehow by, by rights, you should somehow be Julius Caesar going off and like conquering, conquering half the world, right? Like instead of being a mid-level software developer answering to a female product manager. You know, and that like there's something there's something in this uh there's something there there's something in this that that can like really activate a sense of um uh a, a sense of kind of fantasy compensation for the the you know real or imagined slights uh of you know that the that the world visits on you and as as those slights are seen to be like uh you know seem to be more and more material like my my parents were homeowners at my, at, at my age and and I am not or they had you know this this that or the other the other thing um you know and I I still wear shorts with elastic in the waistbands and that you know that that like that sort of thing like it's 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 better to imagine Imagine yourself uh, astride the back of a chariot, you know, swinging your uh, swinging your your short sword, right? The the wind um, rustling the the what it, what it, was it called? The little headdress, the you know the uh, centurion headdress, right? Like the. <laughs> the uh the broom you know you put a broom on top of your plastic helmet right when you're playing this and then some... your bro hawk oh yeah. bro... <laughs> ah yes bro hawkus the yes. bro hawkus bro hockey bro hako bro hakum bro hako uh that like this that, that that there's a reason that it's it's specifically you know there's a reason that it's it's specifically this and that like it becomes there, there are these kind of cultural, you know, uh, there are these sort of cultural, like available, it's, it's bioavailable, right? Like it's, it's, uh, in the culture and it's, it's available to this kind of compensatory fantasy when you feel like, 
you know, when you feel like you need it. And, you know, and again, I'm not talking about you, Pete, because you're, you're really not, um, you're, you're really not in the demo. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm a weirdo as well, but that like, uh, that like this, this could be a reason that it's coming up in, in the way that it is or why, why it seems to be catching fire, um, fire so much and why we're fiddling while, uh, while TikTok burns. I'll, I'll, I'll offer a complimentary thought, uh, because I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, one of the things about reading, you know, Julius Caesar is the things that Julius Caesar did on his campaign are not impossibly exotic. It, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I built a, I went there, I built a wall around their wall, and then we went up on top of our wall and shot at them. And it's like, oh, that's really clever. And like, I could conceivably do that, right? Like, there's, there's a, one of the things about the documentation of what was done in Roman times is, you know, it has a large degree of scale, like it's scaled up to a large size, but it doesn't have the similar the you when you read it because it's being you know, it's been written for you to understand it. You're not learning exactly how to make a Roman earthenworks or, you know, a palisade or something, but you get the sense. Right. Uh, I don't that, know, Pete, aren't you aren't you brew, uh, making wine? Aren't you uh, fermenting wine now in your backyard in a giant clay amphora? I'm to- fermenting something. Uh, <laughs> I, I used. Did you ever play Caesar three, Matt, or any of the Caesar games? Because I sure did. Uh, um, no, I, I I only translated Caesar. Peter. Yeah, these are these are um, city building games, and you would design a Roman city. And so, I, I, one of the things about the Roman Empire I've been thinking about recently, since I've heard about this TikTok trend, is the very satisfying feeling in playing Caesar three of setting up a clay pit, where because you you set up uh, Caesar three is based on the idea that the places where you build roads are where people are going to go. And so you have to build out all the infrastructure and available necessary facilities in your city in a way that the roads kind of encourage people to travel along the routes that you want them to go. But this includes warehousing and distribution. It's like a major concern of the game. And so you build like a clay pit to bring the clay to make into pottery that can then be distributed through warehouses. And you have to have like the right number of clay pits and the right number of warehouses and they have to be connected by the right kinds of roads. And that is that feels like you know how to do it. It feels very workable, although it is scaled up to a point where you would not be able to do it, right? Like you'd also have to manage a lot of manual paper and pen or like papyrus and pen, right, while you were doing it, which would be a lot of work. But but the idea that that um, that it, it makes modern society feel a lot less impossible to realize how much ancient societies were able to do. That not necessarily all the societies afterward were able to do as well. And again, there's a the whole thing of like, well, well, really decline. Everybody they invented eyeglasses and you know whatever. But the idea that like <laughs> that there were certain things that people knew how to do and were good at doing. And then there were periods of times after that where they weren't as good at doing it in the same place. And then they got good at it again uh, is encouraging too, in the sense of like I'm despairing because I feel out of control. I feel alienated from my life. I feel like I can't do anything. And it's like, well, the ancient peoples were able to do stuff. Maybe I could do stuff. Um, but, but what I'd add to that, because that's only one part of it, because that's only explaining why the men are thinking of the Roman Empire, which we're establishing they're doing. One of the big questions, because the women aren't, that's, that to me is equally shocking. Like I asked my wife, well, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? And she said, when you mention it and literally at no other time, <laughs> right? like, that's, that's shocking to me. Right. But again, this isn't about, you know, the trend is not funny from my direction. 
uh, uh, and not interesting and not the point. And making it, turning it around and making it about me is exactly what TikTok would not want me to do. So instead, I'll make it about uh, her because I said to her, you know, I did read some research, and this was in the context of nuclear power is a place where this comes up a lot, where there are there's a couple of different modern concerns, big modern political concerns that have a huge gendered component. Uh, Cycling is one of them. Right. Where like nine out of 10 cycling deaths are men. Right. So like men are much, much more up in arms about cycling safety than women are. Um, Another one is uh, is nuclear power where nuclear power is much, much, much more popular with men than it is with women. And there's a fair amount of research that suggests that women are more sensitive to local risk uh, than men are. And this might also be related to men being more risk-taking in general. Uh, But the idea that if you are going to have a power plant that is going to potentially have a toxic leak, and you're weighing that against the sort of broad environmental consideration of like all of the power in the world and how it's generated, you would make money by betting that the women would care more about the former than the men would, relatively speaking, and and it would flip the other way on the end, right? That like, uh, because because there's a, a big swell of opposition a lot of the time, a lot of time for women in a community uh, who don't trust that building a giant power plant is not going to poison their homes, right? And and I said this to my wife, and she said they needed to pay people to research that. Like that's exactly how it works, right? Like that. that like I care a lot. You know, I care a lot more about the things that are happening here and now than it seems that you do sometimes. Um, and there might be something about that that either is culturally or biologically gendered. I don't want to say biologically because like that's just a general term. But you, Evo- mean, you know Evo- what I mean? Like, evolutionarily. Yeah. Or is yeah. That, like, is that uh, worse? Well, because because it might because when I say biologically, it's like, well, is it a fixed action pattern? Is it like a response to a particular stimulus? Is it like, a, you know, what is it? I don't even know. Right. Is it hair? Is it inherited? Is it epigenetic? Is it genetic? Whatever. Um, you know, but like the main thing is like, can it be is it so is it cultural or is it more kind of like, did you is it developmental? Right. There's all sorts of different ways that you can think of somebody as adapting to a particular viewpoint that isn't necessarily chosen by them. Um, but yeah, if if why are men thinking about the Roman Empire when you have things in your real life that require your attention is part of this, right? Like, and why don't why are you worrying or bothering with this thing that existed hundreds, if not thousands of years ago? And I don't know how long because I never think about it, right? Like, uh, uh, and when you should be worrying about the fact that you haven't changed your socks in two days, sure, right? Like, and uh, and that there might be something to that that's gendered uh, or sexed. Right. If it's if it's associated with something that's heritable in that dimension. Right. Like, I don't know. And it gets super complicated. But the idea of like it's crazy. Why would it be crazy to think about the Roman Empire so often? Because that's the other thing is like the last line of the TikTok bit is like, that's insane. Thinking about the Roman (laughs) Empire once a week is insane. I was like, it's not insane. I'm not insane. And then it's like, I get defensive. Why are you accusing me of being insane? This feels like an intrusion to my private life. I didn't volunteer. (laughs) That's that's how how TikTok feels all the time. I didn't get shot down 150 times in dates for big TMI to come around now and like, you know, oh, you didn't ask me for this. I was keeping it to myself, right? Like, uh, over the years. I mean, I don't even know. But yeah, the point being that like um, that like 
Yeah. That, I mean, that was my that was my okay Cupid profile, right? Like it was just a long <laughs> translation of Book Four of the Aeneid, you know. And that's like, and maybe like they don't they don't see you know the sublimity that I see in in Dido, you know, uh, killing herself on the the. Uh, as her city burns, you know, but that, that like, uh, I don't know. I thought that, I thought that that would, you know, was the, the yeah. basis for a, a really fulfilling date for, for both of us. So you got one message over two years and it just said, I like bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My IK Cupid profile was just the scene of him killing Turnus with a rock, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which no one ever reads. No. Um, it's like, oh man, this guy's weird. No, but no, it's, that yeah. is, that is true. It's like book, book four is where I feel like the, 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 odyssey part of the aeneid the the first half right like is is where a lot of the action and fun is and then the martial part of the aeneid does does get a lot less juice at least at least did in high school because it's less you think it would be because that's that's where all the like the the fighting stuff is that it would be it would be more exciting but but no man like the the martial half is not really can't hold a candle to book four i'm just saying yeah, they only want to read the Odyssey part. Nobody wants to read the Iliad part. And the Iliad's very out of fashion uh, because, of, you know, they, that Troy movie was a long time ago. That was really <laughs> just holding it up. But yeah, I guess the idea that, like, what I, I wonder what the question – we can't do it now because, of course, we've now all been prejudiced by this. But, like, what would the answer have been if the question had been something else? How many other things are men thinking about that are, like – degrees removed away from their lives to an extent that their female partners would be troubled, right? Like by, by the fact that like, Oh, you, you're thinking, well, so you'd be like, well, every time I see an arch, I think of the Roman empire and it's like, that's crazy. But why? I mean, that's how my brain works, right? Like it doesn't seem crazy to me. Um, is there really a sort of thought pattern here that might have some sort of difference? And again, I don't like to be an essentialist with regards to this stuff, but there do seem to be differences uh, and and I guess what I would say is, why would it matter now? Well, we're right now in a time where there is a lot of talk about both large risks and small risks and of equal severity, right? Like things mm-hmm. that might happen to you, like in your life to like in a, in a, in a short distance from you sure. versus things that might happen to like the whole world. And right, like our, worrying about what? Well, sure. It's like our large swaths of the, you know, our large swaths of the, the planet going to become uninhabitable because of, you know, global climate change at a rapidity that, you know, the, the, the uh, earth has not ever seen in its history. Or like, are they getting rid of the bike lanes in the, <laughs> I was going to say, or are my kids going to get shot by a crazy person at school? With oh, guns, right. right. Like, uh, that's what I'm worried about. Right. Uh, you know, like, uh, but yeah, the bike lanes, that's always, that should be the number one thing all the time. It's more, more of them. That, do you know the Roman empire, they would build bike lanes that were perfectly straight and go on for thousands <laughs> of miles and they had no cars. They actually banned cars on all their roads, believe it or not. WH, WH Auden was a poet, Pete. He was <laughs> Go for it, go for he it. He lived from uh, 1907 to 1973. In 51, in, uh, he published a poem called The, the Fall of Rome, um, dedicated to Cyril Connolly. I actually don't know who that is. I should look it up. Uh, the Fall of Rome by W.H. Auden. The piers are pummeled by the waves. In a lonely field, the rain lashes an abandoned train. Outlaws fill the mountain caves. Fantastic grow the evening gowns. Agents of the Fisk pursue absconding tax defaulters through the sewers of provincial towns. Private rites of magic send the temple prostitutes to sleep. All the literati keep an imaginary friend. 
Cerebratonic Cato may extol the ancient disciplines, but the muscle-bound marines mutiny for food and pay. Caesar's double bed is warm, while an unimportant clerk writes, I do not like my work, on a pink official form. Unendowed with wealth or pity, little birds with scarlet legs sitting on their speckled eggs eye each flu-infected city. Altogether elsewhere, vast herds of reindeer move across miles and miles of golden moss, silently and very fast. So my, my, I mean, yeah, Auden, you can't, you, you almost can't do, you almost can't do better. We, I, um, I I read a, uh, John Hollander poem. That was my, that was my poem card, I think for that month, (laughs) last last month. Right. (laughs) And I feel like, I feel like he lived, he, he like lived within the anxiety of, of Auden's influence for his whole, you know, his whole writing, his whole writing career. Though I think, I think he had a. Uh, he had a musical quality, which Auden doesn't doesn't lack. It's all uh, the Auden stuff is also brainy, you know, and and can be alienated. Not not Wallace Stevens brainy, but like it's it can be a little more abstract. But like it used to be, my my favorite used to be like Caesar's double bed is warm. As an unimportant clerk writes, I do not like my work on a pink official form. But but I also you know. Um, like the, the, this thing is about, you know, sort of contrasts between the contrast between the kind of the, the civilization and the material reality. And it ends with reindeer. It ends with a, with an, an image of reindeer. So it ends with this sort of, um, Northern European image, right? Like, uh, presaging the kind of historical developments, which will befall uh, the Roman Empire or kind of as we, as we think of, um, as we think of the Roman Empire, I'm sorry, I don't mean to to talk, Pete. What do you what do you think of of W. H. Auden's The Fall of Rome? Oh, I mean, I love yeah, I love me some. Auden is one of those poets who I feel like I ought to love more than I do. Sure, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It might be, you know, LP. I know, I know exactly. I feel that way. I feel that way about John Ashbery. I feel that way about Wallace Stevens. Like one hundred percent, I know exactly what you're saying. Oh yeah, I mean, as in you know what I'm going to say because no, I don't know what I'm no, going no, to no, say. No, 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 no. I mean, I know the feeling. I know the feeling of like I am right in the demo for this nonsense, and I just I I sometimes can't like connect with it right on a on a like a deep level. Well, so everything that I encounter makes me think of Tekken these days. Mm. <laughs> you know, we talk about the Roman Empire. So, um, Pete, how often to- how often do you think of Tekken? Only every time I think of the Roman Empire. Right, exactly. Well, no, it's a, like uh, they say that men think of Tekken every 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Doria, Doria. Uh, but yeah, it's. <laughs> um, so uh, it's like, it probably doesn't deserve it. I can know. But um, no, we, um, what I want to say is in reference, in reference to Tekken, someone asked on a message board, uh, I was playing uh, Devil Jin or Jin, and, and, I, and I thought they were going to be good, but I just I couldn't get into it. And why, why could I not get into this character? And I was saying, well, the thing is, and this doesn't matter, you don't need to know Tekken to know this, these are all around good characters. These are characters that don't have obvious weaknesses. They're characters who are good at everything, but are difficult for the most part. Uh, and, and so you have to learn, you will be better at the parts of this character that you choose to focus on and learn. But at the same time, like the, the character doesn't give you an obvious game plan. For how to approach how to play the character. Whereas if you pick a character who has very obvious weaknesses and very obvious strengths, 
They'll give you a game plan, which might be more enjoyable and more fun because you'll know how to participate. And I feel like Auden is a sort of, I don't, wouldn't describe him as a postmodernist, a late modernist, somebody who comes out of a modern literary tradition, but I've never known to have enough of an ax to grind or enough of a sort of obvious problem to like pigeonhole him into a particular sort of stance with regards to modernity, which means that when I sit down to read an autumn poem, which doesn't happen all that often, it happens sometimes, you know, there are yard sales, they exist. Uh, you're more likely to find update, Updike than Auden at a yard sale, but you know, there it's yeah. there. Um, but like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Like, I don't know his game plan. And even after hearing that, I still don't know his game plan. Uh, and maybe you can help me by, by, uh, cause with Wallace Stevens, I know that one poem, right? Like I know notes on a Supreme fiction. I get the game plan. I get what he's trying to do. And I feel like that poem has like obvious strengths and weaknesses that allow me to sort of participate and hook into and get, uh, and play with. Right. But, but I, but with Auden, it's just, he's really good and he's modern sort of. Uh, you know, and, and, and everything is very well done, but like, what's the, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have like a tortured I, I think past thing- or like a, you know, a, a political ax to grind or like, is there anything that I can hook into that would help me understand uh, how to enjoy his work more um, to participate in his perspective? Yeah. I mean, I, well, it was, um, I mean, not to just kind of delve into his biography, but I think he had some, some personal stuff that might've given him some, some, uh, some oh, I, I don't. Please do. Please, please tell me what it is. Is it like Dylan Thomas level stuff? But I want. But I. I just actually. I want to propose. Like he was writing into a literary community, you know, and mm. that like there. There were other people kind of at the time, and like they were publishing their books, and they were like little little monographs, and it's like it's like stumbling across a subreddit that has a like totally. Uh, fully developed culture you know what i mean that does it that you don't get because you're not you're not really a part of it and that's um not your fault (laughs) you you know what i mean like you got to do a lot of uh you got to do a lot of historical digging to um uh you got to do a lot of historical digging to uh to like unearth what what was at stake in a lot of these things um that he that that he was doing i'll tell you one uh i'll tell you one that like a, a a lot a lot he was sort of concerned about uh about fascism um mm-hmm. and kind of the political situation of his day but he was uh but uh my in my favorite um my favorite stanza my caesar's double bed is warm while as an unimportant clerk writes i do not like my work on a pink official form um the fact that he rhymes clerk with work and not Clark with dark, right? Was such a big deal at the time because it's like, oh, he's writing in an American accent where he is uh, originally, he's originally British, right? Like, and, and those little details, like, I, you just don't get if you're not, if you're not like a member of the subreddit, you know, like if you don't, oh. if you're, if you're not like a, a moderator or something, uh, or something like that. So it's, it's more than, it's more than, than you can do. But I think that I, you know, I think there is, something i mean i one of the reasons i like this this um poem a lot is that it's the the level the very specific details that like refer to specific things could also be true of the present day or any time in history or of the you know the the magical kingdom of hulu vulu or the you know whatever like it it has this thing like um 
uh, it has this thing that a lot of good historical poems have of of uh, being very specific and sort of universally applicable through being uh, very specific um, at the same time. I, I also like an ABBA. I like a good ABBA uh, rhyme scheme because it's uh, – uh, the way it, it sort of delays gratification is it can be um, can be really surprising and fun. So thinking of all that and looking at this poem now is the idea of the birds and the reindeer. Was there an avian flu epidemic that was happening at the time that you wrote this thing? Like like when he's saying speckled eggs, eyeing flu infected cities. Yeah. What flu is he talking about? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Uh, uh, 1951. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm not sure. We got to we got to do some research, Pete. So, so the so the I idea. Told, okay, I was told so, there would be no historical research. Sorry, uh, so the, sorry, I don't, that's unfair to spring on you because I'm trying to figure that out. So the idea of the reindeer is that the reindeer are a large group of animals that are participating in a process of life that is does not have the sort of grandiosity or formality or even literariness of way we understand this classical Roman culture, right? Um, the differences between Cato and the, I guess there was a point in which the Marines mutinied. Right. Well, uh, yeah, that the, the, the uh, cerebrotonic, uh, by the way, bro, you know, bro culture, yeah. Yeah, cerebrotonic Cato. Yeah. Well, like the, 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 uh, the distinction between the muscle bound Marines who need to be fed and Cato, who is like talking about, uh, classical education, um, right. all the and time. The, right? the idea is that there is a disconnect between the needs of people in their kind of immediate material sense, both not just the material sense, but their spiritual sense, um, right. Because they're deprived but they're emotionally deprived and they're physically deprived. And in, in doing this, they kind of descend. Gold goes down today. It, uh, dawn goes down today. They sort of descend from greatness into an animal na- state. Yo, but- I think that I think the reindeer are the kind of the northern Europeans who are coming to sack Rome. Right. Like the, oh, okay. yeah. that there's this kind of like image of Northern European influence that is uh, going to kind of overtake. The, the Nazis are coming for the unsatisfied. Yeah, the, re- exactly. the, the revanchists are coming to like destroy civilization by convincing everybody that like civilization is the problem. Right. Or something like that. OK. okay. Yeah. Or that it's or that it has become, you know, or that it or that it, like they're enabled by the fact that it's it's become too fat and happy. Right. Like. Uh, OK. Private rights of magic, uh, etc. Um, you know, the evening gowns are fantastic, which always makes me think about always makes me think about um the Hunger Games, you know, and the Capitol, right? And the the sort of weird uh the weird fashions of the of the Capitol. That like there's a there's a um sort of distinction between sort of the metropole and the the province the provinces, right? Or the the sort of the the ultra privileged and the um uh, and the the sort of downtrodden, right? Like the the um, uh, that the rest of that stanza is fantastic. Grow the evening gowns. Agents of the Fisk pursue absconding tax defaulters through the sewers of provincial towns. But I, you know, I mean, my my, I guess the the other than I really I really enjoy this particular poem is that is that like when people are thinking about the Roman Empire, I'm not sure they're thinking about the the quote unquote fall of Rome, right? Like they're they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the sort of glory of the Republic and a little later the glory of the of the Empire. Um, 
and and uh, sort of identifying with that rather than rather than kind of accepting that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of contradiction. There's a lot of things that are unintuitive. There's a lot of things that don't package neatly into into narratives. Right when you're thinking uh, when you're indulging in the compensatory fantasy that you are, you know, I don't know that you are uh, off off conquering Gaul. Uh, cisalpine and transalpine gall i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily agree but i think these are two two different perspectives that don't necessarily intersect i think there is a perspective that is focused on the fall Mm. more than on the power fantasy and it is more the catastrophe fantasy uh and the sort of fear uh that's associated with it and also the anger like the idea that like i can see it coming and you can't Right, like I know what you don't know, and like I'm in the know, and you're not. Wake up, sheeple! Herds of reindeer are moving across <laughs> miles and miles of golden moss. You know, you were talking about those mystery cults, and it just—it really made me think of the Roman Empire. <laughs> Mark Antony and how he was in, in, indicted by Octavius. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you're so Aristotelian, and you don't even know it. Pete, I, I, I think we should. Uh, I think we should leave our our conversation there. This this conversation has a place in history, like the Roman Empire. How often do you think of the Overthinking a Podcast? I hope it's at least uh, every week. And thank you for listening to us. Thanks, Pete, for podcasting. We'll be back next week so that you can think about the Overthinking a Podcast again. Until then, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, it probably doesn't deserve Also, a lot of women think about the Roman Empire all the time. There's a lot of very talented female classicists, and it's not fair that this TikTok trend marginalizes them. Yeah, Emily Wilson's translation of the Iliad is coming out soon. That's Greece, Matt. <laughs> You're right. Greece, Greece, Greece is, is the, the word. word. <laughs> <laughs>